Good afternoon and welcome to The Therapy Files. Uh, it's our fifth episode and in a change to the schedule, we are now going to be talking about lockdown because obviously with COVID-19 being emergent in the UK and everything now been completely locked down uh, since Boris's announcement, we figured it would be appropriate to have a change in a schedule. I'm also here with my colleague Callum and he joins me now. Hi Callum. Hello Craig, hello everybody, how are you Craig? I'm all right, thank you. More importantly, how are you? I am absolutely blooming, thank you very much. Especially now Trump's been impeached again, it's even better. Sorry, sorry for any of our American listeners that are Trumpians, I'm not a fan by any means, so I do apologise on that. I did expect you to at least wait a couple of seconds before mentioning that, but that's cool. I'm a socialist, <laughs> what can I say? Indeed, indeed. So, how's your week been? to start off with yeah it's been really good it's more doctor at work for me uh, obviously spending time with my daughter and uh, yeah just just relaxing really what about yourself so i have been quite busy over the last couple of days i applied for a couple of jobs um somebody wants to interview me tomorrow so that's mm-hmm. nice been keeping busy and also obviously promoting our podcast and i just want to say to those that have actually listened to the podcast recently Welcome. It's wonderful to have you. Um, and both Callum and I are literally overwhelmed with how wonderfully this podcast is going and how well it's being received. Absolutely. And we're very, very grateful to you all as well. It's a, it's a, it's very humbling. Mm-hmm. So, Callum, the topic of lockdowns, where would you like to begin? The good old lockdown, Craig. Sorry, so that was to... very therapist contracty kind of method, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like to go from here. Yeah. So I think, Craig, I think it might be a good thing for us to actually look at what a lockdown is and kind of the history of what lockdowns are. Because I've noticed with a lot of people, with us being here in the West, we have lived fairly privileged in terms of our experiences of life, I must say. And I think that it might be good to make the listener aware um, of the kind of the history of, of lockdowns throughout throughout well, not throughout time but certainly throughout uh the last few millennia maybe mm-hmm. um, I, i'm assuming you've got like pages and pages of research on this <laughs> well I, I mean for myself craig i mean i first heard of lockdowns back when i used to study criminology and it was actually more used for prisoners uh, and in the in the jail systems in, in the u.s and mm. well there's not just in the US, probably famously done in the US. I mean, there's one particularly famous one that happened in Mississippi in 2019 where, where it was all locked down and there was a disturbance. And I think the entirety of the jail systems in, in Mississippi were put on lockdown. But I'm aware of them happening quite a lot in South America as well. It's quite a common place where lockdowns occur. And they mm-hmm. usually occur in the jail system if there is a threat to either the guards or the prisoners themselves, mm-hmm. um, if an individual has escaped from the prison um, or if there is actually a prison riot. So I think mm-hmm. that's something that's quite interesting is I think when people now think of what a lockdown is, Craig, we straight away go to, oh, it must be what's happening during a pandemic or an epidemic, when actually mm-hmm. more commonly they've been used in the prison systems. Yeah. I mean, interestingly, you say that lockdowns are used for when prisoners escape. I mean, just thinking back, obviously, in England in the last 20 years or so, you don't really hear of people escaping from prison anymore, do you? No, I mean, is it still a thing? It probably is, but it's absolutely is. Yeah, absolutely is. I'm sure we we can pop pop in the in the um, pop in the the thingy below a couple of stories where people have escaped from from uh, institutions across in the West. Um, Because it's it's surprisingly more common than people think, and and prison riots are more common than people think as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think obviously that that threat being under constant threat from four prisons and for the guards, um, I think absolutely makes sense that lockdowns would be used in there. There's a couple of some very good books on kind of the lockdowns in prison. I'd recommend one uh, by it came out in 2019 and it was by Sharon Sherindon. Ravine and King, and that was called The Confining of Prisoners to Cells to Protect Themselves and Others, a Historical Dictionary of American Criminal Justice. Quite a mouthful. See, um, you, you just come book. up with wonderful books that I'm just like, I want to read. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You're more than welcome. Um, I mean, for yourself, Craig, I mean, I mean, obviously, I suppose lockdowns have been shown in kind of films. I know Shawshank Redemption, for example, that did a lockdown when Andy Dufresne escaped. And there's been a few through the years. I mean, obviously, the Green Mile, that's another example of, of people being on death row. But they were in constant lockdown. I mean, for yourself, I mean, do, do you, have you have you ever imagined kind of lockdown from a prison perspective? Or is, is that something that's never kind of come up in, in literature? Or To be quite honest, I haven't really considered lockdowns as a feature of society until the coronavirus came along. But just thinking back, for example, on Grey's Anatomy is one of my interesting favourite TV shows. Obviously, its medical um, violence is questionable, but, um, (laughs) you know, I, I still like it. But one of the things that I can remember in one of the recent episodes was there was a lockdown in the hospital um and that's because a child had gone missing right so it always makes me think is it just america that has lockdowns because mm-hmm. you don't really see lockdowns on british medical dramas when children go missing as mm-hmm. such but I would also say, thinking about that, when we have like threats of terrorism, for example, in, in schools and places like that, I know that certain schools and certain education systems have got like policies where they practice lockdown procedure if, if there's threats of violence or somebody coming into the school and whatever. Um, I mean, I know, I know, Dunblane when when that famously happened, there was there was a lockdown with that in the UK, and obviously with the with the Boston bombings in the United States, they locked down the city there. And you hear it sometimes as well, not just with terrorism, you hear it also with um, gang violence as well. You know, in mm. certain areas, um, if the guy, if there is a gang war going on, for example, and it's getting quite out of control, the police will lock down that certain area until mm. they can get the, the the thing under control. I remember Los Angeles was was one in particular. I think it was in a rivalry with the Bloods and the Crips that they had to lock down a certain area i can't think of it off the top of my head it might have been compton or inglewood um but it was that area of los angeles was completely locked down um so i think it's important craig like in that that we do actually acknowledge that it's not just epidemics and um pandemics where mm-hmm. lockdowns happen i mean another example which I, I i completely disregard and actually could be probably should have thought of was the chernobyl disaster that entire the entire city was locked down completely obviously now we know what's happened to it but all that area was locked down before they started moving people out Mm-hmm. Uh, Fukushima in 2011 in Japan that was another lockdown situation when the nuclear disaster happened there as well so nuclear disasters are also um, an idea nuclear lockdowns do happen as well if there's a risk to the health and well-being of people mm-hmm. or you know if Homer Simpson is at the hands of the uh, reactor or whatever he's doing you know um Sorry. We're not making light of nuclear not lockdowns, by the way, guys. They are very, very serious. But yes, that is a very good example, Chris. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I, I also think about mental health wards, for example. Yeah. I do know that some of the mental health wards in England are locked wards. And that's that's quite important because 
people aren't medically well. So you need to keep them under constant observation and things. But I suppose that's a form of lockdown, isn't it? Certainly, certainly. I think that's the thing is actually lockdown is probably more normal than we've actually realised. It's just we've never been in a full country scale lockdown before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of the interesting side of, of, of what this is great. Cause for many people, it's their first experience. For me, it's not my first experience. It might be my first experience as a person, but I've, I was always aware of lockdowns existing, if you get what I mean, through through studies. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, early on as kind of, you know, when the Black Death hit London in 1665, there was a lockdown then, and very famously people were, were forcibly shut into their houses with a padlock, uh, and a, a red cross was painted across the, you know, to say that this, this place was infected, you can't go in, and only the plague doctors were allowed in, you know. I mean, isn't that like just picturing a scene from the Bible, uh, from what I can remember from my education in religious studies, red crosses were painted on doors, like, was it Moses's time in the Bible or something like that? Mm. Come on, Callum, help me out here. You know what, you know what I'm talking I believe, about? Uh, I believe, I mean, I'm an atheist, so I'm probably not the best person to ask, but, but what, <laughs> I, what, what I've read on the Bible, yes, that, that, I, think, I believe that was during Moses's time, and that would have been, that would have been was that during the, one of the epidemics there as well? Or was that due to religion? It was also like a plague of locusts. Yeah, that's uh, right. So yeah. where where an angel would sort of come and take the firstborn son, etc. Yeah. Um, as to whether that historically happened, we can neither verify or deny. It's no. up to you, dear listener, to make your conclude your own conclusions regarding we that. We certainly do not judge you on that either. Absolutely you? not. No. Um, but it's an just unbelievable. another example. Because I'm a non-believer, you know, I'm, I'm all for the advocacy of religion. If it brings you that comfort, I think it's a, I think it's a really can be a really good thing. Mm. And I suppose um, that that's something we can chat about a bit later about how comfort has brought to people certainly. during lockdown as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I completely completely agree with you there, Craig. I mean, I mean for yourself, Craig, look, kind of looking, you know, kind of looking through the history of lockdown now and, and with the various other examples, do you find it quite interesting that this is the first kind of the, the majority of the public have really heard about it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, just in, in planning for this podcast today, I, I was just thinking about historic lockdowns and I just think I didn't actually know any of, of this stuff. It never occurred to me that it happened previously, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not exactly a new phenomenon, is it? Um, no, I mean, China, China, for example, they locked down in 2003 in response to um, the SARS epidemic they had. Um, mm-hmm. And that was the severe acute respiratory syndrome. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, so it does it does happen, you know, and it, and it, but I don't think it's happened on this scale for quite a long time. And I was reading even about the influenza, the Spanish flu. There wasn't really much of a lockdown there either. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's the most recent pandemic that, we, that we're aware of. I believe um, it was 1919. It was, I believe, just after the First World War, wasn't it, the conclusion of the First World War? Yeah, and I think it ended it 10 years later. America. Yeah, I mean, ironically, it originated in, was it was it uh, America or France? And it was it was labelled the Spanish flu incorrectly, I believe. Oh, was it? I, I, I don't know much about the history of that, but... Yes, it wasn't actually, it wasn't from Spain that it came from. Hmm. Uh, well, there you go. Imagine... Columbus or Oregon or somewhere, Ohio, I think it may have existed. I'll have to check that one out. Mm. Let me Google it. Hold on a second. No problem. Yes, it was 1918. And I think and it, it was in 1929. Yes, that's right. And it was actually, it originated in the United States in a military base in 19, in the spring of 1918. Obviously, this is only, this is where it's estimated to happen. It's not been proven, uh, but they believe that's where it first took place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, doesn't actually, it doesn't actually say what, um, what state it was. It just was in a military base. 
right. There's, okay. no, there's no recognized area of the United States where it uh, thingy. But that's an example, though, of a, a more recent pandemic. But there was no there was no lockdown regarding that either. Mm. So it's, it's interesting, isn't it? So um, if we're going on that basis, or following the trajectory of the Spanish flu, then coronavirus should hopefully be out of our lives by 2029. Yeah, hopefully being sooner. Being optimistic, I really hope so. And interestingly, as well, interesting as well, going back before Craig regarding the the the, the, the prison lockdowns. And um, after a lockdown has been um, removed by written notice, because they have to actually have a written document in place to remove a lockdown in a prison. You can't actually just take. You can't just walk in. The warden can't just walk that walk in and say, right, lockdown's over. It doesn't quite work like that. They actually have to have written consent, and the lockdown can still be in process even thirty days after consent has been agreed to to end it. Mm. Mm. So it can be quite prolonged. Mm. I think from what I can remember of Orange is the New Black, there was a scene in which a lockdown was demonstrated because of the drugs riot or something. Uh, have you heard of or watched the Orange is the New Black at all? So interestingly, I did read her diary. Um, so I read the actual book and I watched ah. the first, but I, but I did not read, watch all the seasons. I only watched the first one. Right. I enjoy it as a series. I think there's great actors in there. I, I mean, it's one of them, Craig. It's certainly on my list to watch, but I must admit, it didn't really grab me so much the first the first season. So I think, I think it might because I read the book beforehand. It's always, it's always one of them, isn't it? When you read the book before something, mm-hmm. it always kind of... I haven't read the book, actually. I'm going to be it's honest. Good. It's a very good diary. Very, mm-hmm. very, very good diary. I, I, I wanted to say as well, in terms of in terms of an actual definition, um, Merriam-Webster actually called, puts up lockdown as an emergency procedure to remove liberty temporarily during the threat of danger. And danger, again, is quite a broad scale thing. It just doesn't just mean a pandemic or an mm-hmm. epidemic. That means a risk to life mm-hmm. as well. So really, lockdowns are put in place for the safety of people yes. rather rather than denying them freedom. Yes, as, as that's some, what the idea is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Essentially, the notion of a lockdown is to provide safety, not to remove it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, it's not about removing freedom. It's about actually trying to help people. But that's up to another debate. I mean, mm-hmm. of I think, course. I think, I, think, I think certainly how it's been handled in this country has not been very good. How they work, like, to be honest. I would agree. I would agree. Well, needs must at the moment, really. Certainly. Certainly. I mean, I mean, for yourself, Craig, I mean, I mean I, one thing I think moving on to that, in terms of this lockdown, I mean, how have you coped during this lockdown yourself? Is there anything in particular you've done in this lockdown to look after yourself? How have I coped? Let me see. Well, in the last lockdown, prior to this one, I was actually working. Mm. So I was working from home in that lockdown. So I was kept busy during the day. So it didn't really have that much of an effect on my mental health as such, because I had some focus and some progress. However, I must say, in this particular lockdown, I found myself sort of just lying on the couch, staring into space half the time. And I found a slight deterioration in my mental health simply because this is, it's quite serious, the coronavirus at the moment in England. And I still haven't seen family properly since early March. And it's it's just been a long time, <laughs> a long time. And I think everybody just wants to get back to normal. But I would say that this particular lockdown has impacted on me personally, because even during the last lockdown, I was still going to college under the guidelines of set out by our government. We can still go to college and to work. So I still had that available to me. But now that I've not got a job at the moment, hopefully that will change shortly. Um, And also 
now that my counselling course is finished, I literally have no reason other than government-mandated exercise uh, to leave the house. I mean, I've, I've gone out into the garden, but I don't really count that as leaving the house. <laughs> uh, so it has had an impact. And I've just really, what have I done? I've I've turned to books, I think. Um, and while we're on this topic, I think it's really important that we mention during the lockdown here in England, um, our arts scene, particularly in Manchester, has had to completely close. It's very no support. The government have not supported it at all, have they? No, they haven't. And this is not to say that we agree or disagree with the government's decision not to support the arts but i think really it's i have to be really i have to be really honest with the listener craig i i i completely disagree with the government's decision i can't i can't not be congruent on this i'm appalled right. okay. uh, and having friends in the art community i think it's just absolutely revolting mm. um, especially for, for 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 society particularly in the uk that has been built on the arts you know look, look back into things like shakespearean and you know mozart and not Mo, bloody mozart um you know shakespearean um I just, I just I just can't understand why they can't see it as essential because it mm. is essential. I mean, for people's mental well-being, yes, it is because people turn the television on, and that is a form of act. Acting is a form of art, isn't it? And people read books. I mean, that's a form of art as well. Absolutely. People, you know, listen to podcasts, and actually, the creative process that goes on behind a podcast. You could argue that that is a form of creative drive, and so that is a form of art as well. Then, Craig, the other you know the other thing else you know other great playwriters that you know for example I'm not just saying you know we could also use music but you know just not just Shakespeare you know we've had people like Ben Johnson and Harold Pinter you know really fantastic yeah. playwrights that Christopher Marlowe you know why are these you know why are these kind of historical figures being forgotten and who who have you know revolutionised how we see the world today you know it's it's, it's I just think it's absolutely appalling and mm. uh, things like musicians and, and people who, who create concerts, you know, um, I just think it's really bad. Um, I saw something really interesting a couple of weeks ago. I think I say a couple of weeks, it would have been last year, uh, some point around September, probably. I saw an article where it wasn't the BBC Philharmonic. It was a, a sort of like a group of musicians were invited to look, sort of like socially distanced uh, protest where they literally played music for 30 seconds outside of Westminster and literally they did that in protest and they only gave you 30 seconds and then wow. just put their limbs and instruments down and I think that was a really powerful display of their feelings towards the arts not being supported. I mean, Certainly. I will link that video uh, so the listener can actually watch that. But I think it was a really powerful moment. Yeah, and it sounds great. I think I'll definitely watch that myself. I mean, like you say, with going back to the reading, I mean, books are a tremendous form of escapism. I mean, it's something that I, you know, particularly myself, have engaged in during lockdown. Other things I've kind of done as well is um, I've, I've frequently run um, I've tried to maintain a healthy diet as well because obviously I know weight gain is a massive thing in lockdown, so I've managed to do that. Um, well obviously, I've spent, great. Spent, 
yeah, spent time with my daughter, obviously continue to write. Writing is really important to me. And another thing I've done as well is um, studying still. You know, I, I play a lot of video games. That's another thing I, I use as escapism, watching films and TV series, and obviously supporting my beloved Manchester City, um, you know, keeping up with the football. Please don't people stop following me because you find out I'm a City fan, by the way. I'm a, I'm a nice football fan. Um, my so dad's a City what... fan. You and him will get on very well. <laughs> Last time I saw him, I think we discussed the football quite in depth. Uh, is there anything else other than reading you do, Craig? I mean, like I said before, like I, you know, I, I, try, I try to maintain a healthy diet. I exercise, you know, um, studying gaming, you know, trying to use that escapism. I, I, like at the moment, I'm reading, um, I'm rereading, should I say, the Harry Potter series. I finished The Witcher and Lord of the Rings over the that last That is month. escapism, if there is anything to be known as escapism, Harry Potter. It, it, like the possibilities are endless, I would say. Certainly is. So what, what kind of things do you engage in, Craig? When, when uh, you're so beyond reading, I sort of, I listen to music. And actually, I watch YouTube videos, believe it or not, because it's always interesting to see other people's lives in terms of sort of how things are managed. Um, and I've been watching one particular YouTuber at the moment who is a wheelchair user. Uh, he's got MS, I think it's MS, if he ends up listening to this podcast and it's not, I sincerely apologise. He, he is an activist around disability and he's sort of interested in still sharing his story even during lockdown. Um, and I think, you know, because he's, he's in America uh, and I think... They actually, they live, uh, begins with A. It's not Arkansas. Um, Alabama? Mi- no, it's Minnesota. It Minnesota. doesn't begin with A then. It begins with M. Today, children, the episode is sponsored by the letter M. <laughs> University of Minnesota. Yes, indeed. Um, but I, I just think it's really interesting to see how many people are out there that particularly as a as a virtual community who are actually addressing the idea of lockdown and the pandemic and offering support to other people you know I mean I don't know about yourself Callum but do you are, are you a YouTube watcher? I am Craig but um, my, I'm normally going there a bit like yourself for music or if I'm, if I'm doing kind of uh, I'm interested in TED Talks so there was a really interesting one I was watching recently it's a bit off the side of, of lockdown but I like looking at kind of hopeful stories so um, one I watched recently was I was almost a, a high school shooter about a gentleman who almost shot up a high school but managed to be brought back from the brink obviously people may or may not know this on my doctor my area of study is um, bullying and if you are if you do experience bullying is there a predisposition to violence there i have a particular interest in high school massacres um, there will be a, really a separate episode on that by the way they certainly will they certainly will be and another one i was watching recently about a gentleman who came out of a neo-nazi i guess you call it terrorist group they, no i wouldn't know they are a terrorist group a neo-nazi terrorist group and was able to turn his life around so that was fascinating so mm-hmm. i kind of watch stories of hope for me i would say i think that's a really a powerful thing to aspire to yeah yeah i mean from my perspective perspective if I watch other people's experiences I just find it another way to connect with people particularly during times such as lockdown really and I I completely agree with your thoughts around the idea that we must look at things of hope really so yeah I think watching other people's stories does inspire some hope I'm not sure if that is a solid point but 
So there we go. I think it's important to keep that community feeling up as well, isn't it? That you're not alone because I think with lockdown, the hardest thing I think many people is the isolation, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it must be a strange time in which to raise a daughter, for example, because normally I'm assuming you would have had your daughter interact with lots of different people by now. She must think the world is quite tiny right now. I imagine she does. And I think that's one of the hardest things about being a parent in lockdown is that we've literally had to learn everything from scratch. I think that's one of my big things in, in lockdown is that we've not been able to just give her to somebody for an hour while we have a little bit of a break. We've had to literally learn everything um, mm. on our own. You know, It's not about people showing us. We've literally had to go from scratch to learn how to be parents and to mm. learn how it works best for her. And it's been bloody hard. Do you know what I mean? It's been amazing and bloody rewarding, but it's been a really hard um, experience, you know, as a mm. parent, the first time, especially as a first time parent, you know. Mm. I mean, to be quite honest, as as a close friend of the family, I cannot believe that but Evelyn is nearly one. And that just shows how quick time has gone in the last couple of months, because it only just feels like it was like October on Friday night and, and uh, Remembrance Sunday. And actually, we've had Christmas, we've had New Year, we've had the impeachment of Donald Trump. Oh dear, didn't mean to mention that. Um, but, That's okay. So, I, I totally did mean to mention it. <laughs> um, and and it, we're nearly halfway through the month now, to be quite honest, and it's gone quite quick, really. Really has, really has. It, the 2020 just feels like a year that's kind of dragged but gone insanely fast as well, hasn't it? Yeah. And I think time has a nasty habit of speeding up when you kind of sat there doing nothing. Also, it kind of drags at the same time, if that makes any sense. Or maybe I have a warped sense of reality. <laughs> That's okay. We could all have a warped sense of reality together. Excellent. I mean, I mean, like, for example, I mean, like, for example, um, I mean, I suppose we're going to speak about this because I know, I know this, this, this part one coming to an end now. But I was thinking kind of going into the next one, we can kind of discuss kind of, um, obviously, we spoke about how we coach during lockdown. I was thinking maybe we could look at how maybe other people could cope during lockdown as well. Yeah. Um, who did you have in mind? Nobody specifically. I meant coping techniques. Oh, right. My apologies. I <laughs> thought that we were going to have a, a surprise guest. I was like, I, I've not planned for this. <laughs> Just introduce Michelle Obama on you. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, join us after five minute break for us, but a couple of seconds for you. And we are back with the Therapy Files podcast. My name is Callum Jones, and we are still currently looking at lockdowns. I'm here with my colleague, Craig. Hello. Hello. How was your break? It was refreshing. Wonderful. I ate pasta. Oh, fabulous. Fabulous. Did you have a Kit Kat to go with your break? I did not. I'm on a diet, so. Uh, But, I mean... I was trying to inject some humour there. So for those listeners that are not aware of Kit Kats being a thing, the slogan for Kit Kat is take a break. Have a Kit Kat. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but yes, I, I digress. That wasn't, 
advertisement, by the way. We haven't been paid to say that. We, we absolutely haven't. Uh, um, but if Nestle want to sponsor, that's fine. We're always here, Nestle. I do yeah. love Kit Kat. Oh, me too, me too. Especially the cookies and cream. That's the new yeah, one. They're delicious. They're delicious. Anyway. I didn't like the peanut one that much. No, I didn't either. I seem quite... to have been it with chocolate during lockdown, even though I've been on diets. I've been like, because I have one treat day a week. I always yeah. like every week, I'm like looking forward to what, what chocolate I can have. And I always try and have a different one each week. Oh, perfect. I mean, isn't don't you have treat day every day? Being no, the father of Evelyn. Oh yeah, I meant more. I meant more in terms of uh, nourishment, though. Oh right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, right. I've got to say that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she wouldn't. It's fine. But yeah, sorry, we're digressing there. My apologies. Um, so in this part, you mentioned that we're going to have a look at how it's affected one's mental health really yeah and how to cope so i think i think one thing we could look at craig starting off is how in what ways the lockdowns impact mental health and it's not just the pandemic we're going through here this is all forms of lockdown mm-hmm. um but, but, but this still is relevant to obviously the current covid19 pandemic so for example if we're looking at from a prisoner perspective if they're locked down very similar to ourselves there is an isolation period you're not able to interact it can be quite difficult mm-hmm. um, and obviously mental health is impacted very similar to how we are right now um so obviously what, what we've noticed in this current COVID-19 pandemic and this is by the WHO uh, World Health Organization is that people's relationships first of all have been severely impacted by lockdown that's due to spending more time with one another and being, mm-hmm. being unable to have that space obviously stress is very high as well mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think one thing we need to look at obviously as well and I think we've kind of briefly touched on this in, in other episodes is that obviously there is a great risk at the moment with lockdown people running into abuse um, from partners or from parents or from relatives mm. um, so it is you know, it's a massive part, isn't it, Craig? I mean, me and yeah. you're quite fortunate. We come from quite stable households and we're quite um, fortunate, but there are those out there that, you know, who are living at risk every single day. Mm. I would also just like to say that in terms of those that are locked down with parents who are not accepting of their sexuality or whatever, particularly this can impact the LGBTQ community um, in terms of if they've not come out or anything like that. Or it's not just domestic violence, it's loads of different things, loads of implications. But I would say one of the main things that has really stood out to me during this lockdown and previous ones is the feeling of isolation, the the feeling of like continuous loneliness. Even if you've got somebody living with you, it can from time to time feel like you're alone, really. Absolutely, it certainly can, and that's funnily enough. You say that, Craig. That's the next thing that 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 who um, mentioned is the isolation factor and the loneliness factor. Oh, um, look at people... that! It's as if we planned it. I know. But, wow, how can you do that? You know, we're counselors. We don't plan things. Very <laughs> spontaneous. Um, but I think that segregation, Craig, and that being away from the wider society um, has massively impacted people's mental health. And I think that the kind of the ripple effects of that quite have long, very longevity because it's almost like becoming institutionalised, isn't it? We're now we're now very used to not seeing people. So mm. hopefully, when society reopens, it's going to feel very strange for people to be finally, you know, to be able to interact and have that physical intimacy as well yeah absolutely i mean didn't we have like an announcement from boris a couple of months ago around about bubbles for single people and i know that some people were very excited about those bubbles um in terms of being able to carry on their normal relationship i have a friend uh, who had not seen their partner for quite some time um so 
they were quite excited to be able to just spend time with them and to just have some form of normality um, in creating that bubble. And I would also say in terms of the mental health aspect, if you're with somebody that you love, your mental health and your endorphins will kind of become more stable. Um, You can also get endorphins from chocolate. But there are other means available. <laughs> Again, not good. But and I think, yeah, kind of going back to what I said before, I think that's one of the great ways to cope, isn't it? Is, is by engaging in exercise or doing things that you enjoy doing to get them endorphins flowing and, and mm. realizing that there are ways we can cope during lockdown. It'll be, still be really hard, but we can do things to combat it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I actually read something recently about maternity wards are projecting that there will be a whole host of lockdown babies at the beginning or or the end of next year or this year because I've read the article last year Uh, I know there's a there's been a lot of time spent together with people and so obviously you know the population will increase (laughs) birds and the bees eh Craig indeed indeed if anybody's offended about that and please don't um write to off quite one complaint about us or whatever but Still, I don't, I don't think you're fe- offended by reproduction, Craig. I think, it's I think a fact, a- isn't it? It's a fact. In any kind of way, I think. I think one thing that many people have kind of not thought about as well, which who do mention, it was something I was looking at last night actually. And it, I was quite pleased it was mentioned on whose um, website is the impact of bereavement during COVID-19 is the fact that many people have not been able to attend funerals if they're shielding. Many people have lost partners due to the COVID-19 illness virus. And not being able to be with that family member as they are dying. Definitely. Or even attend the funeral. Yeah. And I I would say, as as a watcher of medical dramas, actually, um, I watch Grey's Anatomy. I watch Holby City, for those in America. This isn't an English medical drama. And I also watch Casualty. And actually, do you know what? They have represented COVID wonderfully. They have represented the devastation of it wonderfully and the impact of people's mental health. So shout out to the BBC and to ABC for doing that because wonderful stuff. No, that, that is really good, Craig. Actually, and I must admit, I've not watched Casualty or Holy City since I was quite young. So <laughs> I've not, I must have probably been kept, sort of kept up with it a little bit more. But I, 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 I have been told that programs like EastEnders have been incorporated the COVID-19 pandemic in. Yeah, exactly. And I think it gives a sense of realness, doesn't it? That characters we watch on television are also going through what we're going through. Yeah, it, it's that sense of empathy, isn't it? It is, it is. That can be quite difficult to come across on screen. So that just goes to show how well the writers of those programmes have sort of developed representation of COVID-19 because really, when we think about it, we are living through what will eventually become an important part in history, really. Yeah, I'm rambling about representation here, but I don't know where I'm going with this. It's very it's very relevant, Craig. It's very, very relevant. Thank you for, um, for validating my life choices. <laughs> I say, you know, it's, it's that thing, though, isn't it? It's about going back to loss and, you know, Bereavement, yeah. as, we said, as we said in the grief episode, you know, it doesn't just mean losing a person. There's that loss of time spent with people, people experiencing that kind of loss, as yeah. loss of social interaction, loss of just being able to do things. You know, people feel this is many much time wasted, you know, in their life. Mm. And th- there are plenty of things out there that you can do 
for if you're feeling like well, you can access mental health support online you can access gp surgeries online or via the phone these days or you can even access uh, sleep things online as well because one thing i've got to say is that particularly this last week i don't know why but i have not slept well once <laughs> i haven't i haven't slept well at all for example last night i was awake till about four o'clock mm. i don't know why but there you go very interesting. Something on your mind, maybe? Mm, we'll discuss that in our therapy session later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Going on to loss. I mean, a lot of people have also discussed kind of the loss of income and financial stress, obviously, with people currently not working as well as they, as they are, because obviously people are on furlough. Obviously, many people have lost jobs during the coronavirus. You know, yeah. um, I think loss of income and financial stress, but who very much specifies through the roof right now as well. Mm, yeah. And even that, it could be if people are experiencing a loss of sleep, for example, just to bring that example back in, you know, it could be affected due to unnatural circumstances that we are currently facing, whether it be economic, social, psychological, or even political. So it's. It's a just it's a very strange time. I wanted to get through this podcast without using the word unprecedented, but uh, there we go. I've not managed to do that. I said it certainly is unprecedented. It is, yes. Oh, and there's also economic. Uh, did I mention economic as a as a source? Of uh, you might have, but go ahead anyway. You know, like the interest rates in England for this year, according to Martin Lewis, are looking to be negatives, mm-hmm. um, and obviously that can impact things. Um, and it'll it probably impact government budgets going forwards as well, because probably we'll have £2.50 in the coffers <laughs> for the next year and a half. <laughs> currently, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there is a point there, dear listener. I know I didn't explain it well, but there is a point there. I think, I think you know, one of the, 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 the most difficult things regarding all this, Craig, is that, you know, is the anxiety and that's one of the key things that's highlighted the anxiety that's surrounding right now there's a lot of uncertainty people don't know mm. even know what the next day is going to entail because we are living as, as you said and i know you didn't want to say it but dear listen i'm going to repeat it is you know unprecedented time yeah absolutely it is an unprecedented time it affects us in different ways really and i'm sure the listener will be affected in ways that we've not been affected yeah and you're absolutely right we kind of just want to say the point of this whole episode is that we understand that the world is kind of in lockdown right now and we just wanted to say we're with you we understand and seek support if you need it because support matters one thing i wanted to ask you as a counselor how do you think the lockdown has impacted on you i think i kind of kind of coming off the last couple of points of who the other key things that they've found is suicidal ideation alcohol and drug use are currently extremely high yeah. um, so what people, people are naturally doing at the moment is seeking out counselors and i found as a counselor for an eap program and obviously as a person-centered counselor working face-to-face even though i'm not really able to engage in that anymore unless the restrictions say we can do it within the guidelines that it's just been astronomical it is so busy um the mental health statistics has gone through the roof the amount of people contacting you know the, the, the helpline and the amount of people wanting counseling um structured you know hour-long sessions it's just gone absolutely astronomically big and i think it kind of shows the impact that that this 
pandemic and the lockdown resulting from it has had on people's mental health. And there is that thing as well, you know, as counsellors, you know, we, we are struggling, you know, and I don't mean in terms of we're struggling to help people, we're certainly not struggling to do that, but the demands of it now are absolutely massive. And obviously we will meet those demands, but we are noticing just the absolute mass of people now that mm. are certainly struggling. I um, mean, I'm going to be honest, I've literally just Googled um, suicides during lockdown. There's like... 28,982 wow. results. So that is prevalent right now. One I mean, if anything, head- if anything good comes with this pandemic and lockdown, Craig, hopefully there'll be more awareness brought to mental health. Mm, absolutely. And actually, it would be quite lucrative for our colleagues in counselling at that time, really, because particularly those in private practice, it will be a lucrative experience for them because not only will they practice more, but they will be able to help more people, really. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the main thing, isn't it? It's about helping as most pe- many people as we possibly can. Um, oh, yeah. You know, get that support. And, you know, mind, mind talk very heavily. You know, and I've, I've written a few points down about what, and this can all be found on Mind's website, about coping during lockdown. And one thing they say is it's about being creative. So, for example, for myself, I do a lot of writing. Um, I channel my issues during lockdown into, into my work or into something I'm writing. For example, last lockdown, I wrote my, my book, um you know this lockdown i'm trying to write a couple of essays for my for my doctorate so i try and channel my frustrations into my work i mean i don't know about you craig do you do anything particularly when when we're locked down when you're creative hmm. i having finished my counseling course in december i challenged myself to journal more and reflect mm-hmm. on things more and that is something i am doing my level best to try and keep up i have literally bought a journal and a pen specific for that purpose and I just think it's good to write things down even if it's only a couple of lines because when you look back on it you'll think oh yeah I was feeling that way in this time and you know that those those feelings of hopelessness feel like sometimes they'll never end actually you can look back in two or three years and realize actually nothing is a permanent state and we always change we always develop and we always move and carry on, I suppose. And also something I wanted to advise was it, uh, I think there was a couple of apps that would be quite useful for the listener in terms of uh, managing their mental health. Um, Calm being one of them. I don't, have you used Calm? Yes, I do. do I've used it recently. When I first used it, Stephen Fry was the narrator. I don't know if he still is. Oh, I love Stephen Fry. Stephen, if you're listening, hello. I wonder if you got my I actually sent him a copy of my book. So if he is listening, will you please write back and let me know? Did you me. actually? That's fantastic. Yeah, but he not got back to me yet. So it must be like on a dusty shelf somewhere, I'm assuming. Or waiting to be unwrapped because knowing Stephen Fry, he will have lots of fan mail. Absolutely. Because he's yeah. just a dude. We should get him onto the podcast. Yeah, we should. I'll, I'll email him. Excellent. And beyond calm, I would also say uh, an app called moods have you heard of that one i have yeah there's another one called headspace as well which is really good mm-hmm. and also there's like various meditation apps out there for phones and things and i've also noticed recently that as an audible user again not sponsored although our podcast is now on amazon amazon music free to download if anybody wants to listen from there i've also noticed from audible that you know they've got podcasts on there themselves for managing mental health or managing bedtime getting yourself to sleep and things like that 
So it just goes to show that there are more resources out there. And it's good to make, take advantage of that, isn't it, Craig? I mean, I think I think one of the main things during lockdown that is really good to do is mindfulness. I was going to give kind of a bit of a technique I use with my clients okay. that are struggling. I often engage in, a, in, a, in an act, should I say, or a technique called the butterfly hug. And that is a, that is a therapeutic technique where you basically, for trauma, but you can use it in any, you can use it for anxiety as well. And you essentially cross both arms across your chest so they're touching your collarbones. Mm-hmm. And you gently, and you mimic a butterfly butterfly's wing in flight uh, you can even close your eyes and visualize the butterfly's wings flapping if that helps and what that does is it stimulates a nerve called the polyphagal nerve which runs from the heart to the brain and it's also known as the pleasure nerve and it actually makes people feel like they're being given a hug it's a physiological technique so it's not just psychosomatic yeah. um, and whilst you're doing this if you're able to do the in for seven out for 11 breathing technique so you take the breath in through the nose for seven seconds and out through the mouth for 11 that will calm you down and it's a really good way of engaging in mindfulness and also managing your anxiety as well Mm, that's that's fantastic that's wonderful and i think really that is a a place where we can end isn't it unless there's anything else specific you wanted to mention well i think i think very on very briefly what i would say just kind of on an ending note craig is that you know try and keep away from the news unless there's an essential update because right now you're just going to make your mental health deteriorate if you start watching the news unless it's a really important update from the government keep away from it it's not going to do you any good try and focus on what you can control we can't control this lockdown and we can't control the pandemic but we can control our response to it and the way mm-hmm. we look after ourselves and you know do find that support whether that is through your support bubble or online peer support or even just ringing your friend for a phone call or a family member engage in that support or if people like yourself don't like phone calls, we can also message people. You certainly can. We yeah. certainly, certainly can. We will put a bunch of these um, these resources, in, you know, about regarding kind of getting out of abusive relationships. You know, we'll engaging them online. on the website, won't we? So, yeah, but I mean, we're going to put things like who statistics on their mind, um, and obviously safe places for people to go if they are having abuse. And I'll, I will also link them books in the description as well um, for people who, who do want to read a little bit more into the history of lockdowns and what exactly that, what they entail. Mm. And I think if history has taught us anything, it's that time does move on. No state yeah. is a permanent state. I know I've said that previously, but I think it's a good point to end on. It is. It certainly is, Craig. And I think I think more than anything, we this will end. It will end. I don't know when. I can't give a definitive answer. But one day we'll be talking about this in the past tense and we'll be thinking, God, we made it. Mm. You know, But in the previous time now, we have to batten down the hatchet, hatchets and really engage in that support for ourselves and reach out to others as well because your life matters mm. and we were you know we are here for you as well if you need that support you can always email us at the therapy files email um, yeah. Craig, would you like to re- would you like to read that out just so i don't get it wrong no problem that's fine the therapy files email is the therapy files podcast at gmail.com and obviously in the meantime as well if you guys are struggling there's samaritans if you want that immediate support there is samaritans you know, do contact your eap provider if your company has one and you can have that support as well mm-hmm. and we'll also link down below the uh, links to our social media channels where you can interact with us via social media if you prefer because not everybody wants to send an email yeah absolutely right thank you very much for listening guys and we really enjoyed speaking to you and our next podcast will be on serial killers and it will be due out on february the 4th am i right that correct are we thinking that yes because that's the next one fantastic no problem thank you for your time everybody bye